This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It's Sunday, July 29th. I'm Margaret Brennan, and this is Face the Nation. President Trump dug in this week to try and fix some problems caused by his trade policies. First up, $12 billion in assistance to farmers to ease the pain of his tariffs. Then the president made up with the head of the European Union Commission, a group of allies he called his foe just two weeks ago, promising to work together for a future trade deal. We also will resolve the steel and aluminum tariff issues, and we will resolve retaliatory tariffs. This was a very big day for free and fair trade. And just in case there was any doubt, he tweeted a photo of EU Commission head Jean-Paul Juncker kissing him on the cheek, saying the EU and U.S. love each other. But the president's biggest triumph on the economic front came Friday, and no surprise, he took a victory lap. And I am thrilled to announce that in the second quarter of this year, the United States economy grew at the amazing rate of 4.1%. We've turned it all around. Once again, we are the economic envy of the entire world. We'll talk to the president's top economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, about whether that growth is real and sustainable. Plus, the president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, weighs in on the new allegations against Mr. Trump from his longtime fixer, Michael Cohen. We'll also hear from a Republican who's not happy with the impact of those tariffs on his home state, Wisconsin's Ron Johnson and New Hampshire Democrat Gene Shaheen. We have new polling from our battleground tracker about America's views on President Trump's trade policies and its impact on the midterm elections. Plus analysis on all the news just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. We begin today with President Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, who is in our New York broadcast studio this morning. Mr. Mayor, thank you for joining us. Uh, The president told CBS News earlier this month he still wants to speak to special counsel Robert Mueller. So when, where, what format? (laughs) Well, you know, we we, we kind of been distracted on all kinds of things, starting with uh, Peter Strzok and the Horowitz report and now... uh, Michael Cohen uh, really surprising all of us. And Is that what's taping. holding up your negotiations? Well, it keeps us away from it. And, and, and also the, uh, the, the, the special counsel is kind of tied up, although quietly, in the Manafort, getting ready for the Manafort trial. So we have negotiations going on with them. We have an outstanding offer to them. Uh, they haven't responded in about a week to 10 days. I, I, I don't hold that against them. I think they got a lot going on like we do. What does that offer uh, look like? Well, I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you what the offer looks like, except there is a, uh, a sort of 
area of questioning and a group of restrictions on it that, that you know, we could live with. Uh, I think I'd have to reanalyze that in light of the new facts, but I, I don't think that's going to change it very much. This is narrow to the remember. Russia probe and not obstruction of justice, or how, how narrow? It, it relates basically to the to the to the Russia uh, collusion uh, thing, which we think there's no evidence in present to anything wrong, so we don't really have much of a problem with it. With the obstruction thing, it's more a question of we don't see the legal basis for a president obstructing by merely taking an action in firing somebody that he had every right to fire and about 10 good reasons to fire. Uh, so we don't just acknowledge sort of the basis for that. But, you know, we, we might consider a few questions in that area also. But at this point, it's best left to us and them to do that quietly. There's enough going on with the Southern District thing. When are we going to find out? Busy. When are you going to nail this down? I think a couple. I mean, maybe this week, maybe next week. It's, right. it, Last it, time you told it, us it, it was it, July it, 4th, it, Mr. Mayor. Well, a lot happened since July 4th. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, Peter struck... Uh, our, our friend uh, uh, Cohen uh, uh, going rogue. I mean, lots, lots of things. Uh, the New York Times is reporting that special counsel uh, Robert Mueller is looking into whether the president's treats, uh, tweets, I should say, uh, <laughs> added up to any kind of obstruction uh, of justice here. Have you advised the president not to tweet, at least not to tweet <laughs> about his Good attorney luck. general? Good luck about tweeting. First of all, you know... Uh, Obstruction by tweet is not something that I think works real well. Generally, uh, obstruction is a secret. It's clandestine. It's corrupt. Uh, you don't want the evidence out in the public so it can be used against you. And I've looked at all those tweets, and they don't amount to anything but the man complaining about an unfair investigation, which even if he wasn't the president, he has a First Amendment right to do that. I don't think there's anything there that gets, gets him beyond the First Amendment. And, and second, a lot of his tweets have been very helpful. The reason he may not have to testify is... He's laid out his defense clearly, like this whole Russian thing. He's made it clear he didn't know about the meeting beforehand. You're talking he's about the Trump Tower meeting that Michael Cohen yeah, apparently he's made it clear, and now, the president and now didn't the know in advance about. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, I don't see how you can believe Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen is also the guy that taped him uh, without telling him, taped uh, Chris Cuomo uh, taking his cell phone and putting it in a drawer and saying, I'm not recording it, and then did a two-hour recording that we now have. He did that at least four other times. I mean, to my surprise, he turns out to be almost an instinctual liar. So there's no way this guy's credibility is going to withstand four or five witnesses saying the exact opposite. You called him an honest, honorable lawyer just a few weeks ago. Yeah. What changed? How did I know? How, how, why would I have not thought he was? I mean, I never had a bad dealing with Michael. I was being, I was being straight and honest. Uh, I didn't know that he taped conversations surreptitiously. I didn't know he would grossly violate the attorney-client privilege. I didn't know he would mislead dozens of reporters and tape them all over the place and pretend to them directly, I'm not recording it. How, um, much, of the I, evidence I that the, that. how much of the evidence that the FBI sees from Michael Cohen's uh, you know, place of, of work and, and residence relates to the president beyond tapes? Well, let me see if I, I can make it about as clear as possible. Uh, we know of something like 183 unique uh, conversations on tape. Uh, one of those is with the President of the United States. That's the three-minute one involving, uh, involving the uh, McDougal payment, Let's AMI McDougal payment. There are 12 others, maybe 11 or 12 others, out of the 183 in which the President is discussed in, at any length by Cohen, mostly with reporters. All 
uh, clearly corroborating what the president has said in detail on many of those tweets. In other words, that he didn't know about the payments to either one when they happened, that he only found out later, that Cohen made them not for the campaign. He didn't, didn't like the campaign. He says very derogatory things about the campaign. He said, I only made it because I personally love the president and Melania. Uh, and that's why I made the payments, which takes it right out of the campaign contribution uh, uh, arsenal. So these are, these are tapes I want you to read. I want you to hear them. Uh, I didn't think I'd be able to get them out publicly. And somehow he and his lawyer have this crazy idea. Just throw it all out there. I think they also don't realize it's going to hurt them with the prosecutors. When I was a prosecutor, I don't want some guy giving out all the evidence mm -hmm. to the press. But you do want these tapes released now? I can't do it. I mean, I'm not allowed to do it. We've not leaked a single tape. I think if you check with the reporters who did the stories, they tell you that. The Times came forward and made that clear. Uh, we don't violate these rules. However, we are allowed to refer to them if they put them out. Why they're putting them out, someday somebody is going to have to figure it out. You but mentioned they're doing it. You mentioned uh, Karen McDougal. This recording that was made public earlier this week relates to her. She claims she did have a, a, a consensual affair with the president. Um, but I want to ask you, beyond this case, beyond Stormy Daniels, were other payments made to as yet unnamed women around the time of the 2016 campaign? There is, there is a conversation about that on one of the tapes in which I think Chris Cuomo asked him that, and Cohen says no, uh, denies it said that there were no other situations like this. Was that an uh, accurate statement by Cohen? As far as I know, yeah. I, I have no evidence to disprove that. Um, and, and, and we've searched the records. I mean, the, remember, both these payments were made, or at least the, 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 the uh, McDougal payment, was going, going to made through a corporation. Well, you're hardly going to make an illegal contribution through a corporation. And that whole dispute about check or cash really couldn't have been done any other way but by, by check. It's a corporation, after all, making the payment. But you maintain that payment didn't actually occur? That one didn't happen for, for reasons, I guess, that AMI wanted to keep it. They probably saw value in, in keeping it. I mean, I know a lot of people raise questions about it, but it's pretty clear from the tape. This is a straight-out now legal and business transaction. The CFO for the Trump Organization, uh, Alan uh, Weisselberg, was subpoenaed this week to testify in the criminal probe around Michael Cohen. Uh, does any of this cross that red line that the president has said in terms of touching his own personal finances? No, I think these are about I think these are about the things we're talking about to see are they corroborated and they are or they could be about other things that they may have some knowledge of that Cohen was doing independent of the president. I, sh I should finish that discussion of the tapes by telling you, that, yes, there are 183 presidents on one mentioned on 12 others. There are then an untold number of other tapes that do have no relation to us, meaning President Trump, that have to do, I guess, with what the Southern District originally rated him for. Those tapes, I don't know what's on those. Nor Now, if they related to us, the government would have to give them to us. The right. government has been totally ethical about this, so I don't believe there's any question. But th there's a lot there for them to investigate. And, you know, when you just look at a box, you can't tell what it contains. But right. I, sure, I sure wouldn't want to, uh, to have that box there in All the right. FBI's possession of it was me. All right, uh, Mr. Mayor, there's always another <laughs> part to the story. We'll continue oh, to yeah, track it keeps changing. Every time I talk to you, it changes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look forward to having you on again. I'm going to speak you. now uh, to uh, a friend of yours, uh, Larry Kudlow, the director of the president's National Economic Council. Larry, welcome back. So good to see you. Thank you. <clears throat> we did have a good economic 
uh, growth number, that Q2 number, 4.1%. Uh, it's hard to argue it was anything but uh, a good win for the president. But when you take it apart, was this sort of just a temporary burst of buying ahead of the implementation of the president's tariffs? No, I don't think so at all. I mean, the, the basics of this number were consumer spending and business investment. Those are the basics of any number, C plus I, to put it in economic terms. Um, it's doing terrific. It's rising by better than 4%, as was the overall. And I know some people have tried to downgrade this by saying about the uh, uh, tariffs buy ahead of tariffs. By the way, we don't know that. There's a lot of theories about that. Uh, I'm glad to see exports rising, whatever the reason. The biggest thing that nobody's talked about in terms of these smaller issues is um, inventories. Inventories fell by, I think, $25 billion. That's um, very unusual. Mm. It took at least a percentage point off of GDP. But let, let's, these things jump around a lot. The heart of this report, as I said, consumer spending, business investment are on a tear. Business investment is on a tear, which was really what our tax cuts were designed right. to do. And your deregulation. The, and the deregulation, thank you, and the energy. And by the way, the president's attitude, um, the war against business is over. The war against success is over. The war but then he's got a trade war, Larry. He's got trade disputes, even with some of our allies. And that's the thing that makes people worried that everything you just laid out is going to go up in smoke. Up Can in smoke. you promise that NAFTA will be done ahead of the November races, that you will get that agreement in principle to actually be a hard agreement with the actually, Europeans? Actually, on Mexico, just to pinpoint that, we're making very good progress. And something good may be announced in the not too distant future. By September? The biggest one was the European Union. I'm just waiting for you to, to get to the EU where I had a role and POTUS was unbelievable and President Juncker was unbelievable. Those tensions this week. More than that. I mean, yes, I think that's true. But also, um, the EU, President Juncker, I mean, comes right out of the gate saying we will buy a ton of your soybeans, which will help ameliorate you know the, the China EU problem. Can't buy that. European nations of private businesses would have to. Indeed. And I right. think they will. And I think there's so a lot of momentum for that. this wasn't an actual transaction. That. This is a promise to do something in the future. We will have an actual transaction. On what? Guaranteed. We, starting out right away with soybeans, beef, and liquid natural gas, LNG, which is a huge topic. But the European Commission says that agricultural's, a agricultural products are absolutely not up for negotiation. You're well, saying they are. Uh, they will be part of the negotiations. But, but I don't want to get in the way of their domestic issues, okay? We are going to be very accommodative. They will be very accommodative. Again, if ag's not part of it, what are soybeans doing? Right. What's beef doing? Um, in the final uh, document that was signed by both, uh, we talked about opening markets for farmers and for workers. So, uh, no, What's I don't the buy that. Table on this? Uh, immediately. Immediately. We're starting gonna, immediately. Are you going to be negotiating this? We started immediately. trade representative? I'll be involved. Bob Lighthizer is the key guy, absolutely. Um, we will be starting immediately. We'll be setting up a layered process to examine all the different areas. Remember, Can you get this by September? Because we still have the Commerce Department saying they're reviewing whether to put these auto tariffs on or not. That's fair enough, and that, they that, are That's a knife it. hanging over your neck. Well, I don't know if it's a knife. We'll see how that study comes out. Uh, the president asked for it, and you Commerce Department we'll, will give it. We'll see that 20% tariff on autos? I don't want to get ahead of anything in this game market, as you well know. All I'm going to say is the EU story is moving ahead very rapidly, very rapidly. And I think that, by the way puts China in a very difficult position. 
China is, I think, being isolated. I don't know if they realize it or not. I assume they do. Not only is the EU and the U.S. coming back together, as I said before, I'm looking forward to a deal on Mexico, and I think a deal with Canada is um, is out there. But, but so as you China, say, this is China, really all about of a sudden, China. But if China, China is not all, coming to the table, then well, what are these tariffs accomplishing? The tariffs um, have moved a lot of people to the table, including the European Beijing. Union, including Mexico. Well, we'll see about that. You know, as I said before, a key point here. Is that all of a sudden the Chinese are being isolated? China, by the way, asked the EU to do a trade deal. The EU said no. The EU said to us, "We would much rather have a deal with you, the United States," and that's why President Trump and President Juncker's meeting was so important. And the process is beginning immediately. So this is very good news, in my judgment. But, so you are a Reagan-era conservative. I am. Doesn't it send shivers up your spine when you start talking about giving aid bailout to farmers? When you start talking about deficits now growing more towards one trillion in 2019? When you start talking about trade wars here, isn't there a less destructive way to get to the growth you want to see? Well, look. Um, first of all, lowering tax rates, and rolling back regulations, and opening up energy is a great way for growth, and that's what we're seeing. And President's program. You know, we've only been doing this, I guess, five Trump quarters. We're almost at three percent, three point one in the first half and four point one in the second quarter. It's working. It's all working. People so said we couldn't do it. Worth it. So that's one point. No, I, I'm not telling anybody. I'm not for pain. I'm for prosperity, as always. But here, President Trump has said he wants to end tariffs. He wants to end non-tariff barriers. He wants to end subsidies, and he is a free trader. But sometimes you have to target tough tariffs to do so, okay? And that's what he's doing, and I think it's beginning to show some success.、It's、only been six months since he's been on this track,、yep. so no. And regarding the deficit, let me say this: the increase in、We、growth is going to be a big factor in lowering the deficit.、Mm -hmm. Even the CBO numbers, and they've never agreed with us on taxes and dynamics. Yeah, but you're, you're, we have all. Mick Mulvaney put out a number this week that I was referring to on the one trillion. Yes, but look behind that number. In、yeah. the short run, do we lose some revenues to invest in our economy? Absolutely. Larry, even the CBO numbers, even the CBO numbers show now that the entire one and a half trillion dollar tax cut is virtually paid for by higher revenues and better nominal GDP. Larry, These are all leave, good things, Margaret. We have to leave it there because I'm out of time.、Uh, we'll be back in one minute with a lot more face the nation. So don't go away. Are you having trouble sleeping? NFL players have been coached. Blue light from smart devices it can affect your sleep. They'll even wear blue blocker glasses in the evening for improved sleep. Others will try tart cherry juice and smoothies. Not only can it help fight inflammation, but to help you sleep, it's got high amounts of natural melatonin that's beneficial for sleep. The other night, my girlfriend told me I was snoring way too much, and even the earplugs weren't helping. So the next day, she took me to the Sleep Number store because if I was snoring, at least she could get a good night's sleep on the Sleep Number bed. Sleep Number beds allow you to adjust on each side to your ideal firmness, comfort, and support. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movement and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably through the night. With Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping, so you can know every morning how well you've slept and gain insights for your best sleep. Experience the smart, effortless comfort of the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. Find your competitive edge with proven quality sleep from $999. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. 
you'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the one nearest you at sleepnumber.com slash cadence. That's sleepnumber.com slash C-A-D-E-N-C-E. Sleep Number. We're back with Democratic Senator Jean Shaheen. She sits on the Armed Services and Foreign Relations Committee. She's in Portsmouth, New Hampshire this morning. Senator, welcome to Face the Nation. You just heard the president's economic advisor lay out uh, a a very uh, rosy picture about the economy. These trade disputes, how are they affecting people in New Hampshire? Well, we have 140,000 jobs that are at risk if these tariffs continue. Um, It was very good economic news this week, but that's why it's so hard to understand why anyone thinks that the uncertainty around these tariffs and the potential trade war are going to be good for the economy. Um, People here are very concerned about that uncertainty. Everybody from Little Bay Lobster Company, who's lost uh, huge orders every week to China, and they're worried they're not going to get that market back, that they've gone to Canada to manufacturing companies like Filtrine over in the western part of the state where they make water filtering systems. So this is affecting businesses. And one of the things I was very sorry to hear Ambassador Lighthizer say this week at, when he came before the Appropriations Subcommittee was that while they're talking about a bailout for farmers, they're not talking about help for small businesses who are being hurt. Oh, it's, a, it's a good point you raised there, um, and the administration says they won't consider that at this point. I do want to ask you, though, about a colleague right. of yours in the Senate, um, uh, Senator Claire McCaskill. She faces a toss-up election out in Missouri, and she confirmed personally this week that Russian hackers unsuccessfully tried to access her Senate computer system. Microsoft, I guess, was uh, out there saying she's one of at least three individuals who, who were targeted. Who else is on that list? I don't know who else is on the list, but I do know that we've had an experience in our office with people getting phishing emails um, with social media um, accounts. There has been one situation that we have turned over to authorities to look into, and we're hearing that this is widespread um, at with political parties across the country as well as with members of the Senate. So. This is a very big issue, and it's something that we need to address in a bipartisan way. It affects both Republicans and Democrats. It's about the security of our political process and our government functions, and we need to work together to address it. I know you had some testy exchanges this week uh, before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee with the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, pressing him for more information on that conversation with Vladimir Putin. Were you satisfied with his answers? Well, I was disappointed that he refused to address directly any of the specific questions about what happened in Helsinki between President Trump and Vladimir Putin. He continuously referred to policy being the same, and I appreciate that. It is important for us to continue those policies. But what we don't know is what might have been agreed to by the president, and all we've gotten in direct information about what happened has come from 
so the Russian authorities from their defense ministry. And I'm particularly concerned about Syria because that's one place where uh, Secretary Pompeo did equivocate and where the president has um, gone back and forth on what we should be doing. I was there several weeks ago with Lindsey Graham, and we were in northeast Syria where, thanks to our efforts and working with the Syrian Democratic Forces, who are mostly Kurds, we have seen the region stabilize. We need to make sure that continues. We need to find out why the White House is still holding on to the funding that we need for reconstruction efforts there, because the security is good. People are going back home. Um, we went through the market in Mambij, which had been controlled by ISIS for several years. People were out. Kids were playing in the streets. Women were walking around. We need to make sure that that continues and not leave those Syrians to the Russians or to Assad. Should the president go ahead with sanctions on Turkey, which he called for this week? I think if, you know, Turkey is an important ally of the United States. They're an important NATO ally. But we've seen some behavior by Turkey that is not consistent with what we expect from our allies. That sounds like a um, yes. Again, on that trip to, well, I think we need to see them release the Americans that they're holding on trumped-up charges. We had some positive news this week with Pastor Brunson mm -hmm. going from prison to house arrest. But they're holding other Americans. Yes. And we need to send a consistent message. Again, on that trip to Syria, Senator Graham and I met with President Senator, Erdogan. Senator, um, he listened. We do have to. Uh, we're running we out a of message. time here. I'm so sorry to cut you off, but we do have to leave it. Thank you for coming on the show. And we will Thank be back you. in just a moment. Memories make us laugh and cry. And sometimes cringe when we look back at our fashion choices. But in between flashbacks of bowl cuts and dad jeans. Our memories are fading, and so is the old media that holds them. Hi, I'm Adam Baselogger. And I'm Nick Mako, and we're the founders of Legacy Box. Legacy Box is the easiest and safest way to preserve your family memories. Here's how it works. Fill Legacy Box with your outdated media. We professionally digitize and send them back on DVDs, thumb drive, or the cloud. Look, those forgotten home movies, VHS tapes, film reels, and photos are degrading right before your eyes. Experience peace of mind and enjoy reliving the glory days. Join more than half a million families who have already trusted Legacy Box. Save your memories today. Visit LegacyBox.com save. And for a limited time, get 40% off your order. That's LegacyBox.com save for 40% off. LegacyBox.com save. Welcome back to Face the Nation, and Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson joins us this morning from Green Bay. Welcome to the show. Uh, Senator, the president morning, tweeted this morning that uh, he may shut down the government if he doesn't get border wall funding. Uh, you're the chair of the Homeland Security Committee. Should we expect a September shutdown? Uh, let's hope not. Uh, I think hopefully most of uh, the appropriation bills will actually be passed a little more, a little better prioritization of spending. So I, I certainly don't like playing uh, shutdown politics. And how damaging would that be for Republicans ahead of the November races? I, I don't think it'd be helpful. So let's uh, try and avoid it. 
All right. Well, you sound more optimistic than the president does this morning. Let me ask you uh, about the uh, positive uh, GDP number we saw on Friday. Uh, you heard Larry Kudlow, the president's economic director, saying this is really a, a reason to give uh, your support to the president here, that the pain that American farmers are experiencing ultimately will be worth it. Uh, do you believe that when it comes to Wisconsin's farmers? Oh, first of all, I'm, I'm far more optimistic uh, as of some of those numbers uh, than I was pr at the beginning of the week. Now, it's really, you know, e excellent news. Uh, in the last two years of the Obama administration, business investment only grew at an average of 0.6 percent. The last six quarters, we've grown an average of 7.3 percent, and that's just business investment that lays the foundation for future economic growth. So I think it's incredibly good numbers and, and very strong economy. And my concern about the, the trade wars and the tariffs is that it puts all that potentially at risk. But again, I was also very encouraged the fact that uh, the president called a truce with the European president or, or European commissioner president. Uh, in terms of a truce on the trade war, let's start negotiating that deal. Mm -hmm. uh, that I would you know, certainly provide a, a united front against China, which is the main problem when it comes to trade. Well, uh, that's a, uh, it's an agreement to reach a deal rather than deal itself. But, uh, Senator, it sounds but, but like it's, you're... But at least it's a, it's a, it's a truce. Sure. It's a truce. But you're, you're I, really I, softening the, the never... criticism that you voiced earlier this week. I mean, you sent a White House, uh, a letter to the White House saying there's already permanent damage to the U.S. from the trade war. You said it's becoming more and more like a Soviet-era economy. Well, certainly the $12 billion aid program, it's, it's a Depression-era program, which certainly proves uh, Ronald Reagan's maxim that the, only, the closest thing to eternal life here on Earth is a government program. Uh, that's not going to work in, in any government's hands. So, you know, my, my hope is that by calling a truce, by moving forward to completing these deals, we never even have to uh, try and implement that $12 billion program because that would be a mess. And yeah, I, I, my responsibility is to stay in touch with my constituents and then convey the harm being done by, this, by these trade wars, by these tariffs. And the $12 billion package does show the president's listening. So the, pre President Trump is trying to shock the world trading system because ever since World War II, America's been very generous. Our trading partners have taken advantage of our generosity. Other so you support have the have $12 billion success, dollars but, in aid but, or you don't? No, 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 no. That, hopefully it never gets implemented. What I'm supporting is President Trump's goal of free trade, fair trade, and reciprocal trade, and we haven't had it. He's trying to shock the system. I take the signal that he called a truce, that uh, you know, he at least understands there's, there's harm being done, so he's trying to propose some way to mitigate that harm. The best way to mitigate the harm is conclude the trade deal with Europe, with Mexico, with Canada, conclude NAFTA. Then, as a united trading world, we can go to China and demand that they stop stealing our industrial secrets, our military secrets, that they start abiding by the world trading rules, because China represents more than 60% of our trade deficit. They are the primary problem, and yeah. I just don't agree with the fact that if we're at war with everybody, that we're going to adequately be able to, to address uh, the, the main problem, which is China. Well, let's talk about the problem in Russia. I know you were in uh, Moscow recently. You came back and you said you think that the reaction to uh, Russian interference was overblown, and you called for a softening of sanctions. Uh, do you still believe that? I, I, no, what I called it to reevaluate which sanctions actually work. We, we are not seeing a so change in behavior of Russia, and that's the whole purpose. Back? Well, I, I want them directed. I think, from personally, again, I'm chairman of the European Subcommittee. We've held hearings. I know how malign uh, Russia's behavior is. 
I personally believe the sanctions targeted individuals, the oligarchs, the, the, the kleptocrats. Uh, that would be far more effective than the types of sanctions, for example, that reduce American businesses' influence in Russia. That's very positive influence. So all I was saying is let's target the sanctions so they actually achieve the purpose, which is change their behavior. Get them to pull out of uh, eastern Ukraine. Right now, that's mm -hmm. not happening. But no, I, listen, Ch China is, I mean, Russia is an unfriendly adversary. I would much rather, through positive engagement, trying to get them to change behavior, have them start moving toward no worse than a friendly rival than have them slip into the category of enemy. So I, I completely agree that we should talk to Russia, but I completely agree that we need to approach Russia with real strength and resolve, and that's tightening sanctions, but the ones that actually work. All right, Senator, thank you very much. We will be right back with a look at how those tariffs and the president's handling of the economy are seen by voters. What's your next adventure? Everyone deserves a chance to do what they love. Pacific Life helps you reach financial goals while you go after your personal ones. Plans change over time and your financial solutions can too. Pacific Life has a variety of financial solutions that can help you complement your life goals and passions while managing the uncertainties. Backed by more than 150 years of experience, you can count on Pacific Life to be there so you can go out and keep living your best life. Pacific Life is one of the most dependable and experienced insurers in the industry and has been named one of the 2019 world's most ethical companies by the Ethisphere Institute. The freedom to go after whatever is next for you? That's the power of Pacific. Ask a financial professional about how Pacific Life can help give you the freedom to do what you love or visit www.pacificlife.com. We're 100 days out from the election, and we've got some new CBS News Battleground Tracker poll numbers on the economy, trade, tariffs, and more. We're joined by CBS News Director of Elections and Surveys, Anthony Salvanto, to help us break it down. Anthony, I know you've been in the field. You've been crunching numbers. The president was very proud of this economic growth number he touted this week. Is it winning him political support? Uh, some. Look, optimism is high. Optimism is outweighing pessimism, especially for his voters, especially for Republicans and for people who say that they're doing better now financially. Um, but, you know, there's a little bit of broader context here for his overall ratings. It's, he's still in the mid-40s in overall support. And part of the reason for that, despite the fact that so many people say the economy is good, is that first, Democrats are still a little bit leery to give him credit for the economy. And also, when people tell us that they're disappointed by his personal behavior, even if they think the economy is good, they're more reluctant to say that they approve of the job that he's doing. So some of that is, is sort of tamping down what could be otherwise higher numbers. So people are still putting political filter on this. It's not winning him new support or winning over skeptical Democrats. One of the things we pollsters have been watching over the last few years is how much partisan ratings play into what would otherwise be objective measures like the economy. People who don't like the party that's in power are more reluctant to say that the economy is good even when it is. On trade, though, th because this is one of those complications we've been talking about. You had a good economic growth number, but you have this question of what the impact of the president's trade disputes will ultimately be. And the administration admitted this week that they know farmers are feeling some pain. That's why they put together this $12 billion aid package. So is the president's base still sticking with him? Yes. Um, what we find is that even folks, when we talk to them and they say that their jobs or their households are directly affected by 
things in the agricultural business, things in farming. Um, they look like the rest of Americans in that they divide on partisan lines. The president's base is, at least in the short term, still with him. Republicans feel that these new tariffs will ultimately lead to better trade deals for the United States. They do, many say, that they, would, they expect to see short-term pain. Um, and there's a difference between that short-term pain and that potential for that long-term gain. gain. For the moment, they say that they're willing to or that they think it's going to be okay, at least, at least in, the, in the long run, even if they feel some pain in the short run. And part of that sort of puts them at odds with you know, Republicans and a lot of conservatives who came out this week and said, right. you know, what about the payments What about to farmers? This isn't part of conservative orthodoxy. Um, but what you see there is that a lot of folks aren't really very ideological. They're more practical. And uh, Republicans uh, tend to very strongly approve of the, the $12 billion, uh, payout. Well, what you're highlighting there is another one of those divides between Republican orthodoxy, which on paper, if you're a conservative, you're not supposed to like picking winners and losers or market interventions or welfare, corporate welfare, so to speak. And yet, while you're hearing those Republicans behind the scenes or even on this show, uh, people say they don't like it. You're not seeing voters peel away from the president based on that? No. And look, part of this is it is to a large extent the president's party now in this sense. Trade policy is often a complicated issue. And when we see complicated issues, people follow their elected leaders, the ones that they already support as guidelines. Even if it's voting that. against their own interests. Well, we don't know yet that it's against their own interests. They feel, a lot of them say, even if they don't like what he's doing right now, they tell us that, A, it's a matter of principle, that it should be what the U.S. ought to be doing, and also... Um, they say that even if they don't like his particular approach, they say they're at least glad that he's trying. A third of folks told us that they were at least glad that he was trying. So it appears he gets some credit at least for that, and again, at least among his base. With everybody else, things are much more mixed. The president said he's going to be out there campaigning like six days a week ahead of these November races. Does his popularity transfer to other Republicans, more traditional Republicans on the ballot? Um, it looks like that's one of the big questions going forward. Here's what we know. We know that Republican rank and file say that they would like their candidates to be in line with President Trump. Those numbers at three quarters are much higher than, say, splits within the Democratic Party. In line meaning don't criticize him? They do not often like this. The strongest supporters do not like the president being criticized at all. His more conditional supporters are OK with that. His more conditional supporters, which make up about half of his overall support, are OK with the back and forth between him and members of Congress. The thing I think to watch, though, is um, voters across the board, including Republicans, say he's not a typical Republican. Mm -hmm. They like that about him. They say so. But does that mean that his popularity among the base, which is high, does that mean it transfers over to Republican members of Congress, Republican senators? That's the thing that we don't yet know. Was there any political damage from this controversial meeting with Vladimir Putin of Russia? Well, his base tells us that they would like to rush to his defense when they hear um, him criticized for handling Russia. There's really been a personal connection between them and the president all along. But we also do see that when we look ahead and we say, well, 
what happens if Russia interferes in the 2018 elections? Is that okay? And people of both partisan stripes tell us overwhelmingly it is not, even if it were to help their party. Um, so in principle, people are not okay with this, but there's a difference between that principle, they tell us, and what a lot of Republicans see as unfair criticism of a president. A president they think is facing more pushback from the establishment than other presidents have. That's how they see it. All right, Anthony Salvanto, thanks for breaking it down for us. Thanks, we'll be back in a moment with our panel. I used to think that all diet and weight loss plans were the same. Well, not anymore, because I found Noom. Noom is a new and totally different approach to losing weight and getting healthy that uses psychology and small goals to help change your habits. So it's easy to lose the weight and keep it off for good. Noom combines the power of technology with real human support, offering as little or as much help as you want along the way. And since Noom is an app, it's always with you and easy to use, which makes it super easy to stay on track and reach your goals. Plus, it's really simple to get started. Just go online, answer a few quick questions, and they'll create a personalized program just for you. Noom helped me lose my old way of thinking about food and dieting. So what do you have to lose? Visit noom.com slash podcast, N-O-O-M dot com slash podcast, and start your 14-day trial today. Like they say, change your habits, change your mind, and change for good with Noom. It's time now for some analysis of the news of the week. And Garen covers the White House for The Washington Post. Shannon Pettypiece is a White House correspondent for Bloomberg News. Ed O'Keefe covers politics right here at CBS. And Selena Zito reports for The Washington Examiner and is a columnist for The New York Post. So, Selena, best economic growth number since 2014. Does this make the president bulletproof? It, it, for him, it's good news. You know, he, for the people that voted for him, they take a look at this and, and they, it reaffirms why they, for some of them, stuck their neck out to vote for him. And for others, why they, you know, this confirms what they believed that he was going to do in that they don't like these sort of multinational deals. They like these um, sort of bilateral deals. And so when he, he makes some of these trade moves and, and you see the economy growing through the tax cuts and through deregulation and through energy growing, they're they're happy. They're very happy with what has happened. Now, does that transfer? I think is important to wonder. Does that transfer into these House and Senate elections? Mm -hmm. And we, I don't know if we know that. But it, in that in that polling, it certainly shows that his supporters are still strongly behind him, and they they back him even when sometimes he doesn't deserve to be backed. Like you know, m most people will take a look at what happened in Russia and say. Eh, not exactly your best move, but they'll even still sort of back him on that. So they're happy right now. Shannon, it seems an article of faith, though, because even as Larry Kudlow was sitting here, there's no actual agreement signed for any purchases of any kind of products at this point. There and, is no trade deal. Right. And EU officials were pushing back a lot on the rosy picture that the White House was painting here. Uh, I think there's still a lot of questions we don't know about what the long term or even short term consequences of these tariffs are going to be. Uh, remember, these are second quarter numbers. Uh, the full effect of these tariffs haven't been felt. They're just starting to be 
be felt now. And when you look at some of these states, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, the manufacturing industries in those states are the ones who are going to feel this the most. And we're not ta just talking about GM, which put out very uh, negative numbers this week because of these tariffs, but we're talking about a small company that makes aluminum uh, foil labels, uh, a company that makes uh, washing machine parts because of the increase in cost of steel and aluminum. So I think this is a story that's just beginning to play out right now. Ed, the president is tweeting this morning threatening a shutdown, yeah. presumably in September, over immigration. You add up what Shannon just painted in terms of a potential economic worry. You look at a shutdown. What does this do for other Republicans running? Well, and what's weird about this is, or perhaps not surprising given how this president operates, is we heard from uh, top congressional leaders who met with him this past week that they weren't going to have this fight, that the president had agreed to sort of punt on immigration into the lame duck session after the elections closer to Christmas because he understood that things were so fragile right now that it wouldn't make sense to have this kind of fight. Well, what did he do this morning but totally backtrack and say, no, 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 we're going to have that fight yet again this year over $25 billion for a border wall, uh, making sure that there's enough money for ICE. It's going to tie up Democrats who are having fights among themselves right now about immigration policy, uh, but also potentially adversely affect a lot of those House Republicans who don't want to be seen as part of something like that when at a time, you know, at a time when they're struggling certainly to build support and hold support. And you heard Selena say, you know, some people would look at what happened with this meeting with Vladimir Putin and say this was not the president's best moment, even if you are a big supporter. You had the Secretary of State in a very contentious hearing lay out what he could say publicly about that. And, and I know one of your colleagues defined it as an armed retreat <laughs> from the president's <laughs> policies. Yeah. Is that how you see it? Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's quite accurate. Uh, I mean, it, on the Pompeo hearing particularly, I mean, he was there for three hours and he advanced the knowledge of what happened in a two-hour meeting maybe this <laughs> much, maybe. Uh, and as, as Senator Shaheen said, he kept going back to, well, the, here's what the policy is and the policy hasn't changed. He's speaking not there not so much to Trump voters as to uh, the Republican establishment. He's certainly speaking to the senators uh, uh, facing him in the room there with a message of nothing to see here, folks. Don't worry. Like, whatever that was, it isn't going to change the policy. And, and many of the senators said afterwards they're not really convinced that, that Pompeo himself knows what happened in, in that private meeting, despite uh, Pompeo's assurances that he does. Uh, and it, I mean, I think it, it very much remains to be seen whether this, some continuing discontent with, with how the president handled it uh, becomes more of an issue uh, in in the elections this fall. We don't really see it so far. Um, the, the strong partisan uh, divide in that polling suggests that if you had an, whatever your opinion of his handling of foreign affairs in general, whatever your opinion of uh, Trump and Russia, uh, this didn't change it much. It, Selena, it's, it, it reminds me of something we were talking about when the president was on the campaign trail, which is essentially the secretary of state was saying, don't pay attention to what the literal statements being made by the commander-in-chief, listen to me instead. 
It's sort of that thing that I said when I interviewed him. <laughs> Voters take him seriously, but not literally. But we take him literally and sometimes not so seriously. Well, and it, it, uh, what, if, what about foreign leaders? Who do you listen to? I mean, that was a problem right. that Tillerson got into, where he would say one thing and Trump would undercut him. And uh, it's a dance Pompeo's doing, too, definitely. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, he has always sort of ha been a liberal with his use of words. And I, I think the literally seriously thing has morphed into the Tuesday, Thursday. Trump, where whatever he says on Tuesday is um, could be completely different on Thursday, and nobody knows how, what happens in between. But something a voter said to me last week I thought was really, really interesting. She voted for Obama twice, and then she voted for Trump. And she said, look, for years, politicians have said the most wonderful things. Their speeches have been great. But I also understand that they've been massaged and focus grouped, and, and I didn't always get the results that I was promised. I don't like what he says half the time. But I love the results. And that's sort of the, the quandary that I think some voters face because they see, they, they see some of the results that they want. So, you know, take a look at the, you know, the, the regulations um, being pulled back or with the Supreme Court justice. But they're not always happen, really happy in the way he says things or his manipulation of the truth. Uh, the reunification policy and ending the separation policy, the president, you know, this was another retreat, but there are still 700 children or more who are left in detention facilities not reunited with their parents. Does this stick? It sticks with a certain segment of voters who I think are less supportive of the president because they see this as the evidence of an incompetent administration, of a guy who, who doesn't care about certain segments of the country. Uh, and it could speak uh, to, to those, especially the Democrats, who believe that there's a check and balance argument to make with voters here, that if, if there was a, a sharing of power in Washington, perhaps there'd be better accountability for the agencies who were implementing this and a better understanding of what went on. But, um, but certainly, you know, if you're, uh, if you're someone who doesn't like his immigration policies, you, you don't like him to begin with. And this is just, uh, you know, salt in the And wound. you're right. I mean, midterms are like often are brake pedal elections, right? They want to uh, put the power in check right. and and get that balance in Washington. And that's the challenge that the Republicans face. How much do you think that people are motivated, not just Democrats, but independents and unhappy Republicans? How much are they motivated to show up and put those brake pedals on? Uh, you know, I, I, I just wonder, you, you talk about family unification, you talk about the trade issues, these are not things that directly affect the everyday life of an overwhelming majority of Americans. That's they don't right. live by the detention right. center. They're not an immigrant. They're not a farmer. There's no issue right now that's really directly affecting people's either pocketbook or safety yeah. or something else. It's all about what do you make of him? What do you make yeah. of the function of your government generally? And, and those are tougher arguments to pin down and making it seem as if this is going to close far closer to November, I think. And there was something that the Secretary of State was pinned down on in this hearing, and that was his admission that North Korea is still developing nuclear material. Yeah. That directly contradicts what the president said. Yes, uh, and uh, that left us um, this week sort of um, uh, one up and one down on, uh, on, on North Korea. They did uh, actually begin the promised uh, repatriation of American servicemen remains uh, from, from the Korean War. That was something that, that Trump walked out of his meeting with Chairman Kim uh, six weeks ago saying what happened immediately. Um, the North Koreans, as they usually do, dragged that out, but they did actually start doing it. Uh, but on the far more important uh, 
question pertinent to the nuclear negotiation. Uh, yes, the, the U.S. government has now been forced to, to acknowledge what was pretty widely uh, available through, um, uh, through, through publicly available intelligence uh, that, that North Koreans have continued. Uh, most analysts expect North Korea to continue to continue um, and also to, uh, to begin uh, uh, more seriously hiding some of the, the facilities and some of the capabilities that they currently have if these negotiations progress. The more they hide, the more they have potentially to give away later or save for later. So why did the president open this new line of attack against Iran, at least rhetorically this week? Yes. Uh, well, you know, we were talking about Russia. Uh, and if you want to get someone talking about something else, why don't you threaten war against Iran? And then when we continue to press the White House on, is there a red line on Iran? What do you mean by this? Uh, nobody in the administration seemed to have a clear answer for that. So, yes, this was all of a sudden uh, North Korea is not looking good. Uh, relations with Russia aren't looking good. Let's turn our focus to Iran. Um, but, of course, that argument hasn't stuck either because the week has now been consumed by Michael Cohen and everything else Russia hacking related. Shannon, thank you. That's it for us today for Face the Nation. I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were Rudy Giuliani, White House Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow, and Senators Gene Shaheen and Ron Johnson. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Allison Hawley. Face the Nation originates from CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com, and you can follow Face the Nation and CBS Radio News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our digital network, CBSN, at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern every Sunday. If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. 
Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.